Good morning. Scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pause and pray. Um, Father, thank you for that song. We just heard this petition that you would reveal yourself to us. And that's the prayer we make as we approach your word today, that as I speak, the voice we hear would be yours. From deep within Scripture, your spirit would speak to us. Amen. Amen. So this account of the visit that Christ made to the home of Martha and Mary is a very interesting story. It's a story that teaches us, I think, two things. It, uh, it teaches us about a problem that many of us will face, and it teaches us about the solution to that problem, problem-solution. So um, what, what's the problem? in this passage. Well, a, com a common way for modern Americans to read this passage is to see this as a story about busyness. Martha is just too busy. That's her problem. Her life is hectic. Her pace is frantic. She's stressed out. She's working too much. Martha is just a picture of someone who needs to learn to slow down and live a, you know, a kind of a more reflective lifestyle like her sister does. That's, that's the way we read this story today. We see it as a story about busyness. And, and you can understand why our generation would uh, read that, this passage that way. We live in a very frantic society. Would you agree with that? Where, um, you know, everyone has too much to do and not enough time to do it in and, and where nobody, nobody seems to have any, any time to catch their breath and stress-related illnesses are a major health problem for us. So you can understand why um, in our context of kind of uh, first world affluence, we would open this text and read this as a story about busyness. But I'm not sure that's what Luke had in mind when he wrote this. When, when, uh, when you read this story in the context of the whole chapter, Luke chapter 10, it doesn't really make sense to see this as a warning against working too much. So the, the chapter, Luke 10, at the very beginning of the chapter, we read of Jesus sending out 72 of his followers on kind of a short-term mission trip. He sends them out two by two to go into all the little uh, 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 towns and villages and places where he's going to preach. He sends them out to proclaim the gospel. And when Jesus sends out these 72, he does not say to them, um, guys, just make sure you don't overwork too much. Make sure you, you, you schedule some me time into every day. Make sure you don't overexert yourself. Make sure, you know, that work-life balance is in place. He, he doesn't say that. In fact, he almost says the opposite. 
Luke 10, verse 2, he says this. He says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So he basically says, he says, listen, there is a lot of work to be done in the kingdom. We need more workers. That's how the, the chapter begins. Then after that story of this, uh, this mission trip, Jesus tells what's probably one of the most well-known parables in the Bible. You know the parable of, of the Good Samaritan. And if, if you're familiar with that parable, in the parable, the, uh, the bad guys in that parable are who? The priest and the Levite. The, the, the villains of the story are two people whose main occupation in life is just to sit around and worship God all day, right? The hero of the story is the Samaritan. And, and the Samaritan is a man of action. He's a doer. He doesn't just sit around and, and philosophize about what it means to love his neighbor. No, he, he's, he's a person who puts love into action. And at the end of that parable, Jesus says, go thou and do likewise. He doesn't say go thou and contemplate this, go thou and meditate on this. He says go thou and do it. You, you put love into action. So um, that's the context in which we read the story of Martha and Mary. Jesus has just said, we need more workers, and Martha is a worker. He's just told a story about someone who, who's helping a traveler in need, and what's Martha doing? She's helping travelers in need, right? So isn't this weird? In the context, Martha is doing everything that in this chapter Jesus has just said needs to be done. So what's the problem? The, the, the problem, verse 40 is that Martha is distracted. Martha, Martha is, it, the problem is not that she's working too hard. It's that she's forgetting why she's working. She's losing her focus on Christ. When, when I uh, was studying this passage, I was reminded of a church that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, Jesus dictates a letter, short letter, to the church in Ephesus, and he commends this church for all the work they're doing. He says, you're doing everything you're supposed to do. You're working hard. You're serving the kingdom. You're keeping your doctrine pure. You're doing all this stuff. And then he says to them, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. And, and I, I kind of feel like that's what's happening with Martha here. She just, she lost her first love. She's losing her focus on Christ. Now, why do I say that? Well, it seems to me that one, one thing that often happens to us when we, like we take our eyes off Christ is we become obsessed with what we perceive to be the, the failures and the shortcomings of others. We become, we become like the people Jesus described. You know that place in the, in the Sermon on the Mount where he says um, there's some people, they, they walk around. It's a weird image. He says they walk around, it's like they got a plank, a board in their eye. I can't even imagine what that would look like, but they have a plank in their eye, and they're looking for the little speck of sawdust in everybody else's eye. We, we become like that. And you see that happening with Martha in this passage. In, uh, so in the passage... Christ comes to the home of Martha and Mary. Mary sits down to listen to what the Messiah has to say. He's come to their home. She wants to listen. Martha gets to work in the kitchen. And notice this. The more she works, the more worried she gets, the more angry she gets, the more anxious she gets. And isn't this weird? Instead of saying, 
look at me. I'm worried. I'm angry. I'm anxious. I must have a problem. Instead of saying that, she says, look at me. I'm worried. I'm angry. I'm anxious. My sister must be the problem, right? She's, she is, she's the cause of all my inner maladies, right? She says in verse 40, my sister, she's to blame. She has left me to do the work by myself. And now, do you ever do that? Of course you do. <laughs> we all do that, don't we? We, um, we take our eyes off of our beautiful Savior, and we fixate on what we consider to be flaws in others. We've all done that, right? And uh, often when we do this, we start to like focus on other people's problems. We, we stop seeing people as people, I mean, made in the image of God, real people. We stop seeing people as people, and we begin to focus on people as objects. All the people around us, they are either obstacles to, that are in our way or problems we need to avoid or competitors we need to envy or they are means to accomplishing our ends. We don't, we don't see people as people anymore. Did, did you notice in this passage, Jesus calls both Martha and Mary by their names. For, for, for Jesus, these women have names. They're not just servants Right? They're, they're people. They have names. But look at this. Does Martha call Mary by her name? Nope. She just calls her my sister. She, in other words, she's reduced Mary to a role that she wants Mary to play in her life. What's your problem? My sister. What's your problem? My wife. What's your problem? My kids. What's your problem? My, my parents, my boss, my pastor, my church. What's your problem? It's those Republicans. No, it's those Democrats. See, we, when, when we take our eyes off Christ and we focus on others, we stop seeing them as people, and we see them merely as problems. And did you ever stop to think that maybe those people are not your problem? Maybe they're not. May, listen, I say this lovingly. Maybe the reason you're not filled with joy and hope and spiritual power today is because you've lost your first love. You've, has that happened to you? It's happened to me so many times. You take your eyes off Christ. There was a pastor in California who wrote these words. I, thought, I found them so helpful. Here, here's what he wrote. He wrote, concentrate on Christ. If you are in Christ, you have an unshakable identity and an unshakable future. If Jesus went to the cross for you, he can surely handle those problems you seem always to focus on. Concentrate on the right thing. Concentrate on Christ. I don't know about you, but I'd probably be served well to have those words on, on my mirror to look at every single morning. Keep your focus there. So one, one indication that uh, what I think was happening with Martha might be happening with you. One, one indication that we're losing our focus is we become obsessed with other people. Another indication is we become obsessed with ourselves, our performance, our work. It, I, in other words, our service to Jesus starts to become more important to us than Jesus himself. 
Look at verse 40. Verse 40 says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? You tell her to help me. Now, this is, this is astonishing, all right? This is a, remember, this is a public setting, all right? Jesus is there, surrounded by disciples. People have gathered to listen to him teach, and it's, it, it's in front of all these people. Martha publicly accuses Jesus of being unloving and uncaring. Don't you care? You don't care that she's left me to do the work by myself. And then, again, in front of all these people, Martha starts bossing Jesus around. You tell her to help me. And, and the, the word tell, tell her, it's, uh, it's in the imperative mood, which means Martha here is issuing a command. Isn't that something? The disciple is telling the master what to do. So <laughs> she's... She's accusing Jesus of being unloving. She's, she's bossing him around. And, and what makes this all so ironic, listen, the, this is so weird. The whole purpose of this meal is what? It's to honor Jesus. But Martha has become so preoccupied with the work she's doing, the meal she's preparing, that in order to prepare this meal, she, she actually disrespects the person in whose honor the meal is being given. Her, her service to Christ has become more important to her than Christ and his love for her. And you know what? This can happen to us. I, it's happened to me. I, I think it's pretty common. This can happen. See, the Bible, this is such good news. As the Bible tells us that our standing with God, it's not based on what we do or what we don't do. How many of you are happy about that? Our standing with God is not based on what we do. It's based on what? On the work of Jesus. He's the one who saves us, not us, right? But when we forget this, we lose sight of this, we can be so, become so preoccupied with our service to Christ. Am, am, am I a good enough Christian? Am I a good enough parent? Am I praying enough? Am I reading the Bible enough? Am I serving enough? Am I, am I? We, we become like, um, I don't know if any of you remember Ed Koch, who was mayor of, of uh this city back in the 80s, his, his tagline, whenever, because he knew he was being criticized all the time, whenever he would stand before reporters, he'd all, this was his line, he'd always say, how am I doing? How am I doing? There's Christians who go through life like that. How am I doing? How am I doing? Am I praying enough? Am I reading the Bible enough? Am I serving enough? Am I, am I, am I rejecting sin enough? We become so preoccupied with our service to Christ. We forget about Christ. We forget, in other words, we forget we are saved by grace, not by what we do, not by what we don't do. We're saved by Jesus. This, this was, uh, apparently that was happening to the Christians in, in uh, ancient Galatia. And so the Apostle Paul wrote to them in Galatians chapter 3. They, they were getting so focused on, am I a good enough believer? Am I doing enough? It's like they're forgetting about Christ. And so the Apostle Paul wrote to them in Galatians 3. Here's what he wrote. He said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He said, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? You see, on this occasion in, in the home of Martha and Mary, listen, 
more, more important than any meal Martha could ever prepare for Jesus was the fact that Jesus loved her and had come to her home. And believer, listen to me. Listen to me. More important than any service you could ever render to Christ is the fact that Christ loves you. Do you know that? And he died in your place. So I guess the point is never let the work you do for Jesus become more important to you than Jesus and what he's done in your place. In the words of an old hymn, thy, thy work alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin. Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. Thy love to me, O God, not mine, O Lord, to thee, can rid me of this dark unrest and set my spirit free. So the problem in this story is uh, this is a story of someone losing her focus on Christ. She's, <laughs> she's, she's focused on her sister. She's focused on herself, but she's, she's taking her eyes off Jesus. And oh my, don't we do that, right? So what's the solution? Well, I would suggest that the solution uh, when you're losing your focus, all right, the solution is what the old Westminster Catechism called resting upon Christ or resting in Christ. And we say, what, the, what does that mean? Well, to rest in Christ, it doesn't mean that you don't do anything, right? You still, you still serve Jesus. You still obey Jesus. You still follow Jesus as your Lord. To rest in Christ, it doesn't mean that you don't do anything. It just means that you no longer base your identity on the things that you do. You, you see this, uh, you see Mary kind of illustrating what this means. Verse 39 says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And I love this about Mary. Mary, would you, would you agree? She's not trying to prove anything here. She's not trying to impress anyone. She's not comparing herself to her sister. She's not striving to be something. She's not, she's just simply resting in the Lord, right? She's, she's finding her identity, not in what the things she does for Jesus. She's finding her worth, her value, her identity, her security in the simple fact that this, this man came to my home. He loves me, the love, the love of Christ for her. I wonder, um, wonder what your, I wonder what your life would begin to look like if that became more and more a reality for you. Like the most important thing for you in life is just, man, I, sometimes I, I, I'm really not much to talk about, but Jesus loves me. Oh, man, that's the only thing. That's why I can tell you I am loved by Christ. If that just became like the core of your identity, I wonder what impact that would have on you. Jesus uh, says to, to Martha in verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one, he says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, did you notice? Jesus did not say, Mary is better. Mary is a better person than you, Martha. No, he didn't say Mary is better. He just said, Mary has chosen what is better. What did Mary choose? She chose Jesus, right? Over, over proving herself through her actions, she chose Jesus. Over uh, comparing herself to others, 
She chose Jesus. Over affirming her value through her accomplishments, she just chose Jesus. Over finding her identity or her righteousness in her works, she chose Christ. And so Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better. And I love this last phrase. I love this. He said, it will not be taken away from her. So listen, if you, uh, if you find your sense of value, your sense of self-worth, in anything other than Christ and his love for you, it could be taken away from you. A lot of people in New York find their value in their profession, their job. This is who I am, what I do, right? You can lose your job, right? Or, or some people will find their value in their looks, their physical fitness, their good looks. You, you will lose your physical fitness and good looks. It happens to everyone, right? Find your value in your family. I have the perfect family. What if your family's not perfect anymore? Or uh, you're, find your, va- your value in the opinions of others, right? How many of you ever have had other people let you down? It happens all the time. If you, if, you, if you find your value, your worth, your security in anything other than the simple fact, Jesus loves me, you're basing your value on something that can be taken away from you. But if, like Mary, you just say, I'm just going to rest in Christ. I'm just going to sit here and listen to this man talk. This, this, here's my Messiah. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Listen, if your identity is in him, it can never be taken away. Amen? Ever. Ever. So the solution, the solution is uh, rest in Jesus. And I'm just going to pray for us now and ask that God would give us grace to do that. Would you, would you pray with me? Lord, I'm amazed at your patience because I know from my experience and I think from all of ours, we, we, we do what Martha did so many times. We start to criticize others. We, we start to brag about ourselves. We take our eyes off Christ. And when we do, we're just so miserable. And again and again, through your word and your spirit, you just keep calling us back. Rest in me. Rest in me. Rest in my love for you. And so I ask that today you would give us grace to do that, to find all of our joy and all of our, our worth and all, and all of our, our beauty in the fact that Jesus loves us. I pray this in his name. Amen.